بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على شرف الأنبياء والمرسلين محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا فما بعد ما يدي بردن سيستس every time I read the seerah it seems to me that I know nothing and that I need to read it and study it more the blessed life Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam is so incredible and so amazing and so full of uh, wisdom that it is something which should be required study, not just required reading for every human being on the face of the earth. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he mentioned the seerah of Rasulullah he did not specify Muslims. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ For whom? For you. Who is you? General address. All of humankind. All of creation. لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala qualified that and said, لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُ اللَّهَ وَالْيَوْمَ الْآخِرَةِ وَذَكَرَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا For the one who loves to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and who loves the Day of Judgment. So in the beginning of the ayat, Allah is addressing all of humanity and in the end of the ayat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not restricting but specifying and re-emphasizing and focusing it at the Muslims. Those who love Allah and those who look forward to the Day of Judgment when we will inshallah meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we will meet Rasulullah sallallahu in a beautiful story from the Sirah, in Asuyuti's Al Khasaisul Kubra, he mentions an incident where Rasulullah where a man, one of the Sahaba, he went to look for his son. His little son was had gone out to play, so he went to look for him. He found him playing with uh, his friends, whole bunch of kids, and he found Rasulullah sitting nearby watching them. So the Sahabi went first to Rasulullah and made salam. And then he said, Ya Rasulullah, can I, my son is with, this, with these boys, with these kids playing, can I take my son home? Rasulullah said, let him, let them play for some, some for a little while longer. Right? Let him, let him play for some more time. So the Sahabi said yes and he left. And after some time he came back and he said, uh, he again found Rasulullah was still sitting there. He made salam. He said, Ya Rasulullah, can I take my son now? Rasulullah said, yes, you can take your son. But don't call him as my son. Don't call out and say, Ibni or something. Don't say, don't say, oh my son. Call him by his name. So Sabi he said, okay. So he went. He called his son. Son came. Then he and his son came back to Rasulullah and the Sahabi said, Ya Rasulullah, I have a question. Uh, you permitted me to take my son home, but you told me specifically, don't call him my son. Call him by name. Why did you do that? Rasulullah said, because many of those children playing there are orphans. And I don't want them to feel that your son has a father and they have no father. 
And the Sahabi had tears in his eyes. Rasulullah had tears in his eyes. And then the Sahabi said, Ya Rasulullah, why are you sitting here? Why are you sitting here? Rasulullah said, I'm sitting here so that those children praying there, the orphans, they should know that though they may not have their fathers to look out for them, they have the Rasul of Allah. They have the Rasul of Allah. SubhanAllah. My brothers and sisters, the seerah is not just full of wisdom and it is not just to be read or studied and then you pass some exams. May Allah protect us, we are not even at that stage. The seerah is not even a, a distinct, full-fledged subject. Even in our in the regular courses in our Darululums and in our Madaris and in our Jamiat, those who do have seerah as a full-fledged regular course, like you teach fiqh or you teach tajweed Quran or anything, Alhamdulillah, all power to you. May Allah bless you. Those who don't have it, SubhanAllah, I ask you, what is your basis for not including the seerah? And if you tell me that people study incidents of the seerah in Azbab al-Nuzul of Quran or in the circumstances of their hadith, I will say to you that you are doing injustice to the life of Rasulullah and you are doing injustice to the hukum of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who told you to teach the seerah, who told you that the best example is the seerah, and who told you that the one who follows uh, and makes ittiba of Rasulullah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love him. قُلِنْ كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ فَاتَّبِعُونِ يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهُ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ بَاللَّهُ غَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ By not teaching the seerah, you are depriving people of this. How can people make ittiba of Rasulullah when they do not know who he was, they do not know what he did, they do not know his... From the, from the smallest to the biggest so-called of his mannerisms, of his habits, of his ways, of his preferences, they have no clue about any of that. How will they make, how will they make his ittiba? Today it always amazes me, the, the Muslim men who shave their faces and all that we have is to rely on the, uh, on, on the sahih, authentic hadith. Uh, directing and, and uh, prohibiting the, f- the shaving of the face. But where is the feeling in the heart to say that I'm doing something, I'm taking off the symbol and sign of Muhammad wasallam from my face. What if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment says, anyone who looks like Muhammad wasallam, give him Jannah. I won't complete that sentence, I'll leave it for you. Then what happens? There is a beautiful story of a Sahabi that he had a beard in which there was only one hair. Wallah alam, he was, you know, from, uh, there are many places where people, uh, beards don't grow. You know, the, uh, among the Chinese, among, among Malaysians, for example, many of them, not all of them. I, say, I, I know some Malaysians with you know, thick beards. But generally, some people, the beard doesn't grow. So, 
This Sahabi had only one hair in his beard, just one hair in his beard. And one day he was sitting in the majlis of Rasulullah and he found that Rasulullah was smiling. And this Sahabi felt that he was, Rasulullah was uh, not, I won't say words, I won't use words like mocking or making fun of, but he felt that Nabi Sallallahu was smiling at him uh, as if he was amused by him. And uh, this Sahabi thought it's because of this one hair of my beard. So next time he came to the majlis of Rasulullah, this hair was gone, he cut it off. So Nabi Sallallahu asked him, what happened to you? What happened to you? He said, Ya Rasulullah, what happened? He said, no, you, your beard, you, you had one hair, it's gone. He said, yes, I, 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 last time I was here, I felt that, you know, you were not laughing at me, but, you know, that way, kind of. Rasulullah said, subhanAllah, I was not laughing at you. He said, there was a small little angel which was hanging and swinging by, your, by the hair of your beard. You know, imagine it's like a little kid holding a, a rope and saying, wee, and, and swinging back and forth. He said, there was this little angel which was, I, I said, I was looking at that and I was, I was smiling. It was so beautiful. Where are we going to get these, this kind of beautiful feeling of the love of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and then to emulate it? I recall somebody telling me many years ago that uh, some people opened, uh, I mean, some, some people set up an, an orphanage, Yatim Khana, in India, and at that time, uh, Malona Abu Hassan, uh, Malona. Uh, Abu Ala Maududi, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he, Jamaat Islami, the head of Jamaat Islami. So, Marana Maududi was uh, there and this, uh, these people, they uh, went to him and they asked him to come and inaugurate this uh, orphanage. He said, can you, can you please come and... Uh, Marana Maududi refused. He said, I will not do it. They said, they, they were very surprised. They said, Subhanallah, is a... You know, we are doing this great work of goodness and uh, here is uh, Marana Maududi refusing. So, uh, but they said, why? He said, because this is not the Sunnah. Uh, that got them even more perplexed. And they said, taking care of orphans is not Sunnah. He said, taking care of orphans is Sunnah. Setting up a place where you take them out of your families and out of society and stick them in this place and have them cared for by caretakers like you do in a prison is not the sunnah. He said the sunnah is to make the orphan, is to substitute what the orphan lost. And what did the orphan lose? He lost a family. He lost a mother. He lost a father. He lost brothers and sisters. The sunnah is to replace that for him to the extent possible. Obviously, biologically, this is not possible, but... Other than that, so in the way the orphan is treated, meaning that take the orphan into your own home and raise that boy or girl as your own son or daughter, not biologically. In, in Islam, there is no uh, adoption. So the, 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 the orphan boy or girl will retain their own uh, names of their own parents or names of the father for that matter. But... For all in other intents and purposes, they are raised in your home as your children. So you, they have a father, they have a mother, they have brothers and sisters. They have a home, they sleep in the, in the house, they work in the house, they, they, they are taken care of and they take care of each other in the house. He said that is the way to raise orphans, that is the way to take care of orphans. 
not put them into like a sanitarium or the equivalent of that or, or a, a place where they are really taken off and then they, people come and go and they pay for them and then you have caretakers, uh, you know, who, are, who, who uh, so-called take care of them. Uh, and, and to all intents and purposes, it's like a, it's like a prison. Imagine, this is the, I'm, I'm not saying shut down orphanages, but I'm just saying that, seriously speaking, let us think about these things. This is what created society. This is what kept society together. Among the Sahaba, if, if uh, a person was, uh, if, if a man died, you know, whether he was, in, whether he was killed in battle or whatever, when a person died, his wife, after her Iddat period finished, they would propose to her and, and, and somebody would marry her. Not because they needed wives. Right? Most of them had more than one wife anyway. But because to take care. Now you might say, well, what's the, what's the need to marry the woman? You know, why can't we just give her a pension? Ask the woman who's widowed. If she just needs a pension. You know, this is like, it, it's, it's demeaning in a way that somebody else is paying for you. But instead of that, if she gets a real caring home where somebody marries her and she is now part of that household. But the problem is our whole society and our, and our whole mentality has been so changed and, and, and you know, that, that even to talk about something like this is, a, is absolute horror. Oh, subhanAllah. And when all the men, and, and, and let me make this very clear, uh, all the men who, who talk about, you know, very jokingly about, oh, second marriage, second marriage, they are looking at, when they were saying second marriage, what are you thinking about? You want to marry a young 18-year-old girl. The Sahaba did not do that. They married women who needed care. They married older women. They married women with children and they took care of their children. Right? They were not just fulfilling their uh, carnal urges. And brothers and sisters, society remains together because people care for one another. And caring for one another, by definition, means putting yourself out, doing more than what you would normally do, taking on inconvenience, because that inconvenience you are taking on for the pleasure and the rida and the reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us to understand this beautiful deed and to live according to it and to die on it, inshallah. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for His forgiveness and His reward.